Okay, this is it. We're gonna try this. <laughs> it's been a journey. We've been on Instagram a couple times, then we went to Facebook to see if it was working. So now we're back on Instagram, so we're gonna see if this will work. So fingers are crossed. I hope you're still with us for this wonderful journey. Okay, let's see if we can get... <gasps> oh, it worked! We did it! We did it! We did it! <laughs> yes! Wow, so what? like my $50 phone works, but not my $800 computer. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I got this whole setup going, it's just on the phone, it's fine. We did it though! <laughs> Well, that just means I can sit less awkwardly, I suppose. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Thank you, Mercy, for being all the way with us for this whole journey. <laughs> Mercy's ride or die. <laughs> oh, and Jess, too. Jess is also ride or die. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Perfect. Fabulous, I love it. unique, never been done before. Oh. <laughs> Fabulous. Okay. So, hello. Thank you for joining us today uh we hope that you're well um so again this is a part of like an educational segment series that's just to uh be able to support folks with being able to understand like understand uh educational content in a more accessible way and i find that through you know conversations and through sharing with technology and just being able to share even what I'm learning within, you know, my, my education currently right now too. I just wanted a way to be able to, you know, su support folks um, learning in, in this capacity. So that's why this wonderful segment series and Meg being the wonderful person to join us first-handedly um, as a means to, you know, hopefully we can help support you within your educational journeys uh, within any capacity that you're looking within, okay? So as we get started, uh, we are going to acknowledge the land that we are situated upon. Uh, Meg and I are both situated on Treaty 7, uh, which is of the Nisitapi of Siksika, Gainai, Bagani, Sutina, uh, Stony Nakoda Nations, and also uh, Calgary is also home to uh, Métis Nation Region 3. Um, so again, it's important to acknowledge the land that we are here, um, oh, I'm a visitor on this land. My my original nation is uh, Treaty One, so that's me. Uh, <laughs> and so here we have wonderful Meg. Uh, I've known Meg for a long time. Uh, one of my favorite human beings on this planet, honestly, and got to know each other through being in education together at Mount Royal University. And at this point, I'd love Meg to introduce herself. <laughs> Hi, I'm Meg. Um, oh, well, I did graduate the same year as uh, Madeline did in the education program at MRU. Uh, my minor was in general science, so I've kind of been more exploring a lot of the uh, the naturey aspects of education, more so being immersed in experiential learning, like getting um, knee deep in wetlands and whatnot. Um, and I'm also a uh, drag performer, so I'm very involved in the queer community. Um, I'm with uh, the Fake Mustache Drag Troupe, which you can follow on Instagram. And they do a lot of great charity work, especially for um, local queer youth, back when um, Calgary Youth Mosaic was a thing. Um, we also do 
a lot of charity work for um, the Alex Youth Center and really anybody who's there for the queer youth. We like to try and throw funds their way when they need it. Uh, yeah, I guess that's me, really. I'm just Meg. Yeah, just Meg. Meg is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, so Meg and I, uh, for the past couple days, We've been reading an article that we are going to talk about together on this wonderful segment. Um, in particular, this article is by Tara Goldstein, uh, Austin Kocher, Pamela Bear, and Benjamin Lee Hicks. Um, it was created in 2018, so pretty recent uh, within the um, research world, which is pretty good. Um, and the article is called Transitioning in Elementary School, uh, Parent Advocacy and Teacher Allyship. Um, the journal that created it is Teaching Education, and yeah, so I'm just going to allow um, Meg to share what this article is all about. I mean, it's it's not a huge, robust article. It's only about, like, what, 13 pages or so, but um, it basically follows the story of a six-year-old named Violet Adley, which is a pseudonym, uh, her family and uh, her experience transitioning um, as a six-year-old in grade one, and how her family and her school worked together to create a supportive environment for her to live a most authentic life. And it also delves into a little bit of research as to um, the importance of gender identity and expression, even for kids as, as young as Violet. And it also um, pulls from a couple of, um, ex well, not really experiments, but research um, that was conducted to see what different queer and gender diverse youth have experienced through schooling and how that has affected them both socially, mentally, and academically, whether or not they've dropped out, whether or not they felt comfortable in school, and those sorts of things. That's basically what it delves into. And it pulls a couple of opinion pieces from a couple of teachers in the name of the course was a course in a studies and education degree. It's a, it's a bit of a long-winded one. Sexualities, gender, and schooling approaches to anti-homophobia and anti-transphobia education. So it pulls those four teachers' perspectives on um, Violet's story and how it's changed how they view um, transgender youth um, transitioning in elementary school and what we as teachers in that role can do the best support them. That, yeah, that is it. I honestly couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. And like, I think it's so interesting too that, you know, that was a course that uh, some, some of those teachers had to take. And, you know, as I'm reflecting, even within my experience and your experience, potentially, too, I'm not too sure. But, you know, I don't remember and I still don't have this course as a teacher as well, which is actually a major issue. Yeah, I actually recall it was just a short couple hour uh, little presentation that we had at the very tail end of our degree where they shoved our entire year into one atrium and then just just had a couple of people present a PowerPoint to us, which I corrected a number of times. Yeah. We were sitting when it came to the acronym. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting right at the front. I was like, oh, I know stuff. Let's see it. Let's see where I get this from. Because myself, I am um, a 
gender fluid or sometimes I refer to myself as non-binary because I don't really lean one way or the other or up or down. Gender is a, a huge spectrum. It's not just one way or the other. And I'm also in a queer relationship as well and I've always been in queer relationships throughout my university experience. So I consider myself a little bit um, informed on that sort of experience, not all, because I don't represent the entire acronym. Right. But right. yeah, we just got a, like a, it wasn't even like a credit course, it was like a couple of hours, which I right. feel is really kind of not conducive. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of, yeah. Absolutely. And like it was, it was given by the Calgary Board of Education and it was one of their sub resources, right? And I remember, I remember that specifically. And one of their imageries that they decided to use too, I remember was, was it uh, the unicorn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the it was unicorn. It sure was. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Right. Yeah. Which is like, kind of an okay like way to visualize it I suppose I mean yeah. their heart was in the right place of course but it's much more in-depth than that right right absolutely absolutely so I think it's uh it's important to you know especially for programs like you know like what they're trying to instill and what they're trying to support and uplift in mm. that capacity to to then seek feedback you know sometimes too I think feedback can be very valuable especially it's always great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always seek it out I Absolutely. think it's also important to note that this course that I mentioned that um, these teachers had been enrolled in was not, was a, an elective. Mm. So consider that an option that they can right. choose. It's not something that's mandatory to take. Right. Like say like the Indigenous Perspectives in Education course, which is which was fabulous by the way. I took it for right. oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, super, super eye-opening. But yeah. then it makes me wonder, similar to Women's and Gender Studies courses, who's taking this? Right. Are the people who need to take this taking this? Are right. they recognizing their privileged position and like, oh, I need to learn about this community because I will be directly working with them. Right. But I won't get off on a tangent yet because we've got <laughs> lots to talk about. <laughs> this is still the first point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Love it. <laughs> Perfect. No, absolutely. Um, so... Uh, I guess that kind of leads to what we found, you know, interesting, maybe not so interesting about the article. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, as to what you were mentioning, uh, it, it's interesting how, you know, for Violet, Violet being, you know, the, the six-year-old and being able to transition within the, this capacity, I think is very mm-hmm. um, brave, very courageous, very oh, wonderful, yeah. beautiful, majestic. And, you know, as as a teacher, at least in, in my practice, that I would want to be is ensuring that my students feel safe to come forward to me and feel as though they want to, you know, uh, share their identity and share their proper pronouns, share share the aspects of themselves and the best that I can do as an educator is be able to respect that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that this article is very, you know, very good in that way at least um that does share at least that teacher's perspective which is miss richard and going through the explanation of you know uh being able to support the transition through allowing uh violet to be able to wear a dress um an elsa dress an adorable dress uh to school basically and be able to you know uh, create a safe environment in that capacity so that's that's good 
And I think it also allows for, you know, conversations, I think, too, with the notion of transitioning and how, you know, educators or even the whole school can even support folks going through this process as well. And I think it brings very important notions, but also notions to also be critical of as well within the process. So those are kind of my takeaways, I think, within it. Fabulous takeaways. You're always so eloquent the way you speak about those things. <laughs> no, I think like um, a lot of the um, legislation and the structures, the, the good old foundational internal structures of the education system in Ontario where this is, mm. to put in those particular protections and supports for transgender youth like Violet is, is fabulous and I think every single province should have something like that beyond just allowing GSAs. because. Right. That's that's one thing. That's one little support thing, and we need lots and lots of support networks um, in order for all of us to be able to educate ourselves and to pass on that education to others, yeah. right? Which is one of the points that one of the teachers made was that you can't put all the onus on transgender staff or queer staff to just educate you on that. You got to access those resources yourself. It becomes exhausting, right? So, I think it's. It's definitely a step in the right direction and definitely sets an example for the provinces like Alberta that don't have those kinds of things in place to support right. these kinds of youth. And transgender youth aren't new. It's not yeah. a new thing. It's not a fad. Yeah. We've, we've been around for as long as human beings have been around. Yeah. So that's important to note too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think like the notion in itself too, of, you know, these are educators, right? So don't you think that these folks should also be understanding and have the capacity to take that responsibility on to better educate themselves within these, you know, within these, um, within these topics, because it's not just necessarily like LGBTQ, but it's also, you know, Black Lives Matter. That's now occurring as well right now. And also Indigenous education. So, you know, there's only so much that we can allow for educators uh, to that leeway, right? Like it's still at the end of the day is responsibility. These are human rights that, you know, teachers are then also dealing with within their classrooms. So it's definitely important for um important for folks who are within the field of education to understand like this is major this is every single day this is uh, a point where everyone needs to be able to take the time and of course not with like overloading yourself um because that causes burnout but um it's really important for people to still take the time at least when they're feeling comfortable to do so when they feel you know like it's time and then take that take that um, ability to then do it, right? So, mm -hmm. Yes. There should definitely be a lot of um, professional development opportunities for these teachers to access, and it should be accessible, yeah. right? Um, it shouldn't be just something that teachers in private schools should be able to access because it costs ludicrous amounts of money. Right. It's, it should be something that they can reach out to their resources and um, gain access to as easily as they would for like a social studies project or a science project, right? Accessibility is key for people to be able to learn, right? We've mm -hmm. all learned that as teachers. We've learned all about accessibility, about differentiation and things like that. But there's so much focus on the academic and mm. less focus on the human aspect, right. which puts a lot of 
emotional and mental strain on teachers to fill the gaps of, right? I mean, right. not everybody is as capable as this uh, Miss Richards was, was just like jumping right. right into it, like, oh yeah, I got this, I got this. It might be completely new to some teachers, right? So. Right, absolutely. But then it then uh, comes down to also supporting these these teachers within their journeys mm. too, because you know maybe some of these folks might not even know where to start. Mm -hmm. as well and exactly. those professional development opportunities or even administration that's just woke you know like these folks mm -hmm. would be pivotal for for educators uh within this time so especially what's what's going on within the pandemic too like how does one mm -hmm. even differentiate you know for all students in that way as well these are just thoughts yeah. right yeah <laughs> i've been thinking a lot this what happens this me and maddie get on tangents <laughs> <laughs> we have so many words so many, <laughs> but we love. Hey, I paid a lot of money for these words, okay? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. Uh, <laughs> so, due to the article, too, you know, one of our one of our questions that did come up is uh, what it means to uh, to be a good ally uh, mm -hmm. within this capacity, too. So that's that's a really big question because like allyship um the way that um i view allyship it's not an identity it's not something that's part of what you present to the world the same way as gender identity is allyship is action it's something that you that you immerse yourself in right um as an ally you are taking yourself from your privileged position recognizing that um, you can support these groups of marginalized people like the LGBTQ2 plus community or the, the black community or really anybody outside of that privileged stance that um, faces that systemic oppression. You recognize that as best you can from somebody from a privileged standpoint and you, you help strengthen the voices that need to be heard. Mm -hmm. You help uh, make sure that these people are safe so that their voices can be heard. Uh, you're basically serving as like almost like a strong foundation for these people who have who are still facing um, systemic oppression to kind of lift themselves up more so that they are stronger they are more grounded if that makes sense <laughs> oh you're like yes 100% that is I think that's pivotal and I think that's also another aspect that you mentioned too in regards to the humanity portion mm -hmm. of it. It's, it's the humanness mm -hmm. I think, of, of what it means to be a good ally and being a good ally is to also, you know, seek to understand. I always love this quote, sorry, seek to understand before to be understood. So it's yeah. always important to just listen and it's okay to just listen. You know, it's like story time. If you want to put it in your head like that, like it's, mm -hmm. it's just a time to just take it all in it's a time to educate, it's a time to understand and be able to then in, interpret in your own head what you want then to be an action item from it and mm -hmm. to keep that in mind as you then progress every single day. What am I going to do mm -hmm. today? What am I going to do today? What am I going to mm -hmm. do today? And what? A lot. What were you a lot. I think a lot of the. Um, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. I wanted you to. No, I wanted no. to listen. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, I think uh, a lot of the transition into becoming a, an active ally and you know taking on that allyship is actually um, it's a lot of emotions. It's a lot of 
discomfort, you know, being comfortable with being uncomfortable as you kind of listen to these stories of these people. And you could feel a lot of guilt, you could feel a lot of anger, you can feel a lot of just like a lot of mixed emotions that make you, you know, almost like, oh, is this what I need to be doing? Is this where I need to be? But you need to push past that really to be able to support people like the way Miss Richard supports Violet bringing it back. No, oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And it, it's it's learning to become uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable then yes. too. And I think that's that's beautiful. And that's what's important with being a teacher as well, especially in regards to allyship. Constantly uncomfortable. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You're covered in paint. Your hands are blue from the whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yep. <laughs> your, your classroom's always a muck, like, kids don't even know what time it is, they're just, oh. <laughs> oh, man. I miss it. I miss being with the kids, I do. <laughs> Some of them still send me emails. Aw, that's wonderful. I don't think that they have access to my to my uh, email anymore, because I'm no longer with, like, Rocky View Hey, so... Yeah. So I don't know. They, I don't know. They have my my Mount Royal one. Oh, they do. Oh. Oh, that that was a good idea. I wish I did that. <laughs> Hot dog. Okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> breaking and down the article. Absolutely breaking it down. So. Let's see here. So how can we use, you know, this form of allyship to then be enacted uh, within our classrooms, school communities, uh, within these forms of capacities? Oh, so just like you would with celebrating the diversity of like language and culture for your diverse students, it's important to incorporate like gender and sexuality as another part of diversity that you celebrate. Right? It doesn't have to be something that's taboo. It doesn't have to be something that's adult or anything like that. It's it's as simple as just adding some literature to your classroom library that serves to give positive representation to those students or even just um, exposing other students who don't fit into that um, gender and sexuality diverse group. So right. cisgendered heterosexual, um, to see those other communities in a light that doesn't victimize them or treat them as a joke or as something that's less than them, sees them as an equal, sees other people as the heroes of the story besides mm -hmm. themselves. Literature is really powerful that way. I remember um, our colleague Debbie had brought in so much indigenous literature to her classroom that one of her students was like, I love that you bring in these books. I feel seen. I feel like I'm part of, like, I'm a hero in the story. And they were like so moved by that just because they had that positive representation. Absolutely. So that could, be a, that could be just something you do in your classroom, but you can mm -hmm. stem into the whole entire school community as well. Yeah, and I think uh, representation, I'm happy that you mentioned that too, because representation actually has a lot to do with like student confidence and role modeling even mm. as well. So when students are able to see themselves within their teacher, they are not only going to have more interest within the topics, but then they'll also understand a little bit more about themselves and what they then want for themselves uh, moving mm -hmm. forward within their life. It's really impactful. It's really beautiful yeah. uh, in that way, right? 
Mm-hmm. That's kind of like uh, in the article I mentioned um, when Violet and her parents actually went to the raising of the transgender flag at City Hall. And she saw all these other transgender people with their children, adults, teens of all different ages, all different shapes, sizes, colors, doesn't matter. She sees them and she yeah. sees herself. And yeah. she's like, I want to go again tomorrow. I want to see it tomorrow. She sees her community mm-hmm. surrounded by love and support and they support her and she feels confident in herself. So that that literally is the perfect example of representation mattering, especially positive representation. Absolutely. It's beautiful and it impacted her so much. And uh, she even went on to say as well that, you know, a lot of a lot of the classmates within the article were, were also asking, you know, Violet and um, and her mother a lot of questions as well, right? Mm-hmm. So even in that way, uh, they were able. Well, we're not sure, too sure of the of the questioning itself, and you know what the nature was of these questions, mm-hmm. um, which is important. You no, know, it's kind of a limitation with the article, but that's okay. But at least we know questions were being asked. And many questions. <laughs> many, many, many. Where, to the extent that Violet wanted to almost do like a town hall, like she wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, share her identity with everyone and be like, you know what, I want to meet this head on. I want to tell everyone, you know, all these aspects about who I am. If they have any questions, I want to answer them, basically. So it came with like, in in that way, what that said to me for, for the interpretation was that she was okay to share that and she had a comfortability with being able to share that and that says so much of how comfortable she is with being who she is and mm-hmm. isn't that what we want all of our kids to feel at the end of yeah. the day as a teacher right so that yeah. was beautiful seeing that at that, least yeah that that was definitely like i was for a grade one kid that's pretty impressive um especially for a grade one kid going through that sort of journey Um, She also mentioned just like the exasperation of having to answer questions over and over again, which was part of why she's just like, I want to have an assembly so I can just tell them everything and then I don't have to answer the same questions again and again. Exactly. That again connects to the whole thing that um, sometimes um, um, queer folks or gender and sexuality diverse folks don't want to be the walking encyclopedia of transness or gayness or anything like that. But for those that are willing to teach, like it's important for allies to listen to to reach out to them there's tons of people even in um even in alberta and calgary where i'm at um that devote so much of their livelihood to educating people about um Mm -hmm. queer folks and gender and sexuality diverse folks so maybe violet's one of those future people absolutely it's yeah. it's awesome that because of the support that she got, she was more willing to be open and honest about herself. She felt safe to do that. Absolutely. And and that notion of like being able to feel, you know, safe within her, her classroom too. Um, you know, the art the article also talked about how uh, there was like a, a a council that allowed her to be able to change her name, uh, within registries or whatever the case. And yeah. And that's that's actually a major um, component because I feel like that's also reflected mm-hmm. within society as well. Mm-hmm. Like now being put like gender X on your license, uh, for example, mm-hmm. like that, that's actually major in regards to representation, but also advocacy in, in that way. Yeah, I honestly wish that it was that accessible for everybody. Yeah, the way they the- anyway the way they just presented it in the article just seems like these these council members came up to them like okay well i don't know how to change the name it's just gonna be a flick of promise there you go but it's it's such an arduous task for a lot of people so it kind of 
um, again, comes back to accessibility. Like, how yeah. accessible is it for them to um, just get the documentation that validates who they are, right? And it's important right. to make that accessible. Right. And, you know, just to, to also bring this back to, like, a, another aspect of at least my identity, uh, one of my friends, uh, she's Indigenous, but she wasn't able to get her uh, status card because she didn't have the documents she needed in order for mm -hmm. her to then, you know, self identify in that way and she you know she was sharing with me that you know this it's it's it can be a taxing process even with in in that way at least and yeah. that can be hard that can be hard on an individual if they're not able mm -hmm. to be successful uh, within that process because it is who they are at the same time too and shouldn't that be recognized yeah it's like your friend is like talking to a white person and trying to convince them that they're indigenous enough to get a piece of paper yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of parallels I find, you know, oh, yeah. with 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 all this, and I think the the ability to just listen and to just like empathize, perhaps. Yes, a big word, empathy. People need empathy. Like the world isn't going to be a pluralistic and just society unless you can listen to and feel for people who are facing oppression. Just because it's not directly affecting you doesn't mean it's not happening. Exactly, and that's the piece of privilege. That's the major piece of privilege. Mm -hmm. yeah. For sure. Yeah. If you can ignore a lot of the issues and just say, um, I don't like to talk about politics, that's right there is a place of privilege. And just recognizing that, it's like, oh, um, I, don't, I don't have to look at this or face this because it doesn't directly affect me every single day of my life. Right yeah right i completely agree um and yeah and and back to the connection of the article too uh we were also wanting to you know talk about how we can enact you know this key notion of allyship within even what's being reflected within our society which we've already you know touched on of course uh you know mm -hmm. being the black lives matter movement within you know mm -hmm. the truth and reconciliation even uh, within you know these capacities too and it's also pride month which is wonderful but you know there's a lot of there's a lot of ness to be acknowledged within this time as well yeah I think it's important um, to recognize that our um, especially during pride month um, if you go way back to not even way back it wasn't that far back if you believe it or not to the Stonewall riots uh -huh. Who was there supporting the queer community? The Black Panther. Yeah. So it we're all tied in this into this together. Um, the queer community, uh, the indigenous community, the black community, um, people who every day face those systematic oppressions um, need to come together to support each other because um, we all face oppression differently, but we want gen generically the same things, the same rights and freedoms, the same access to the things that we need to live fulfilling and healthy and happy lives. It's, it's as simple as that. And to take away the things that are holding us back, who are building those glass ceilings above us, right? So in bringing the concept of allyship into the community, like beyond the schools, it you, you really need to know where you stand as a person, what part who are you as a person? Um, you're part of this whole entire community. 
everybody needs to come together to see human beings as they are recognize that there are things that make us different and because of those things we are beautifully diverse and we should not be oppressed for it yeah and again listening to the stories of people because it's not happening to you does not mean it's not happening because when you get pulled over by a police officer and you just get oh this is just a warning instead of getting a knee to the back of your neck that's what's one example right there of privilege that you need to recognize it happens to people and we need to come together and um, listen to those stories and listen to how we need to work on dismantling those oppressive systems and replacing them with ones that lift up people that protect people that cherish people and humanity and diversity (laughs) exactly no words like mic mic drop because that's just that's it that's just it that is what it means and mm-hmm. i honestly am a little speechless i exactly that's just it you just yeah that, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah as we want you know all these aspects to also come to fruition as well we mm-hmm. also to work hard every single day as well yeah listen to build these capacities to um mm-hmm. do advocacy write letters to yes uh, post on social media still continue that because black lives matter is still occurring every single oh, yeah. day there's still so many aspects of of advocacy that can still be done and even within uh, my, my university right now too like there's been petitions going on about talking about anti-racism and um, anti-discrimination uh, courses to be uh, into uh, the University of Ottawa curriculum within the, within education. So I think at least these notions are being talked about in places where people can use it, if mm-hmm. that makes sense in that capacity. But what really matters, I feel, within these courses too, it also needs to come from folks who understand these notions uh very well and who can potentially also come from these communities who have the capacity to share their stories and i feel in you know in academia it's really difficult because there's only 500 you know for example there's only 500 indigenous uh, researchers in canada at least from from what i've seen and um you know in, in regards to other folks who are um you know coming from other communities too it's just it's the white, it's just very white, honestly. That's just yeah. how it's right. So how can then we make waves for folks to then enter these spaces to have these roles to enact these notions and to also uh, support folks in need in this capacity as well? Mm-hmm. I think it's um, interesting that you mention all of these like um, post-secondary changes that are happening to include more inclusive and diverse education to kind of bring in those perspectives but it shouldn't just be the responsibility of post-secondary institutions oh yeah it should be something integrated in all forms of education from k to 12 and beyond and it should be something that's easily accessible from the most disenfranchised person to the most um, privileged, right? It's people cannot um, educate themselves if they are if the uh, resources and the education um, sources are not accessible. Absolutely, right? 
they can't do it to the same capacity, right? It's it's yeah. difficult. So again, that accessibility piece accessibility. is is essential to the yeah. movements of really any Black Lives Matter, um, mm -hmm. truth and reconciliation, everything. Accessibility is is a key part a part yeah. there. Excuse me. Absolutely. And it's it's that key notion then with accessibility, then how, how can we make knowledge, how can we make um, these teachings accessible to all folks all over the place as well, even government officials, even like anyone who really needs these notions to actually understand how how we can make it accessible. What, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking? What would you envision? <laughs> well, first of all, um... As university students, we have the privilege of using our university institutions to gain access to like countless articles and research done, whereas somebody who isn't in a post-secondary institution has to pay a subscription fee. So that is already a financial barrier. And people need to break down their internalized notions of what people belong in what spaces. The public library is a free and accessible place for everybody, but people who work there, security or staff, are trained to watch out for certain communities. So homeless people, for example, if they fit a certain stereotype, won't be able to go into a library to the same extent that I would because they're like, oh, they're just, they're just bumming around. You better get out of here, buddy. Like, taking up space to gain access to that research. Right. And... What's sad about that is that the library, the public library, actually holds so many free courses there to teach these sort of things. And a mm -hmm. lot of them, I noticed, are for youth, are for people looking for employment, and they're just for people who are within a specific marginalized community to come together and to learn new, certain skills, certain information, and things like that. That is fabulous. That's a community coming together. That's a community not judging for financial or academic status and calling on them to come together so they can mm -hmm. gain access to this information and these skills that they that they need and that they want in order to live more fulfilling lives or to bring their communities together, right? So if we look at it that way, we have people who use those public spaces as education spaces. It doesn't have to be a multi-million dollar institution like right. U of C or MRU or University of Lethbridge. It doesn't have to be a public school. It could be a community center yeah. that people come in together. Like, it's Pride Month. Let's learn about such and such. It's Black History Month. Let's learn about such and such. Right. We actually do a couple of those things um, during Pride Month. Um, we have... Uh, like gender 101 and things like that, like introductory little courses that our resources come in. Uh, my good friend James Dean comes in and he does the gender 101 course. Uh, he did it for Chestermere Pride as well um, for people all over the community to come in and access and learn from, right? So more opportunities like that, pouring the funding and the resources into opportunities like that. Education for everybody is just going to make the world a better and happier place because a lack of education a lack of resources it just breeds ignorance absolutely education is our buffalo like education is our resilience education allows for you know connections understandings and it's pivotal for being able to 
work and to really understand and to build communities, societies, and everything in between. It's just, it's that, it's the biggest piece of the puzzle、mm-hmm. and education is key. Mm-hmm, exactly. Education is the thing that will save humanity. Yeah. Every single thing. tangled. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, isn't that just a beautiful way to, to you know, I think wrap up our wonderful conversation here. Is there anything else that you feel like that you want to, you know, talk about, explore? Oh, I think we kind of went on pretty much all the tangents that I had in my brain at the moment, but maybe I wrote a note down. Let's see. Ooh. Oh, there was a book actually that、yes. they had referenced in this article that I looked into a little bit. It's just called The Gender Book. That's all it's called. Um,. Yeah, whatever. It's called the gender book. <laughs> and it's. <laughs> My notes make sense in the moment, okay? <laughs> it's called the gender Um, It's written by a couple of queer folks.、Um, some of them are educators, researchers, advocates, activists, that sort of thing. And it is a book that was basically written for people who have no idea what gender diversity looks like. What does it even mean? What is. Treating transgender mean? Like, what are gender roles? What is all this stuff, right? That you can read at your own pace and it recognizes that you might have internalized notions that were built from your community or from your <laughs> or from your,、um, your family or whatever that kind of puts a barrier on your understanding of things that are beyond that, right? So it seemed like a good read. I actually might look into picking it up if I、uh, come across it. But、uh, I think it would be a good starting point for people to learn about、um, the LGBTQ plus community. Are you looking it up? Yeah, I am. I'm just、uh, searching it up. I'm curious to see how much it is. Yes.、Um, because I know that's a notion of access- accessibility for hardcover on Amazon if you want to support、um, bozos or whatever. Yeah. Don't be sorry about wealth inequality. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> oh, wow. We can go for hours on that one.、Uh, yeah. <laughs> Eat the rich. Woo. Woo. <laughs>、mm. Oh. <laughs>、um, so it's $33 on Amazon.、Uh, but then they also have like、uh, free ebooks、uh, for it, though, too. So I think that's their means for accessibility. of, of Oh, yeah.、Money. You can get a free ebook version? Yeah. Yeah. As long as、it's、you free, have like、so. the. Yeah, it's free. Check it out if you have the time, of course.、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's,、uh, it's good that you mentioned that too. Thank you. Yeah. 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 There yeah. is a couple of um, um, organizations.、Um, one that stands out to me is、um, Skipping Stone Foundation. They do a lot of great work.、Uh, my friend Eddie is part of their team. And、uh, they do great work for the queer community, especially queer youth. And they have a, fab- a fabulous website with lots of resources for people who are parents, people who are queer themselves, queer kids, what have you, that you can access. And it's all a lot of stuff that they've、um, reached out to queer people for.、Mm-hmm. Uh, what's another one? Another one. The Alex does a lot of great work as well、uh, for the queer community. They have a great、um, youth healthcare system that a lot of Trans youth access. 
and they're they're fabulous for that. They've helped a lot of um, my trans peers um, with their transitioning process and just building community because they do a lot of community stuff there as well. Um, what else is there? I'm just pulling this off the top of my head. I love it. But they probably have, if you look into Calgary Pride, um, one of my um, good friends, um, Parker, is uh, the person who puts it all together, right? Um, you can probably uh, get a, a lot of information about maybe uh, workshops that they're doing, um, maybe some uh, resources that you can access as well uh, for some reading or some videos you can watch, that sort of thing, just to really educate yourself. And that's a really good source put together by queer people for queer people and their allies as well. That's so beautiful. Thank you. And and all that says is what? Is, is oh, it's free, girl! <laughs> <laughs> most um, of the stuff they do for pride is free like it's all like uh paid for uh, by like certain uh loopholes that they uh gotta gotta navigate to get funding from the government but uh yeah it's making it accessible building community and everything is out there for your nourishment for your growth for your mm -hmm. understanding for your building of empathy, of your capacity to educate yourself. It mm -hmm, is all mm -hmm. there for you, viewers, <laughs> for you. But <laughs> but it will also be posted onto IGTV too. So hopefully a lot of folks, uh, if you are watching this afterwards too, like all of these resources are here for you. Um, it's the time, we have the time, unless you know you are working. And if so, thank you for we're working within this time hopefully you're keeping safe but at this drink point drink a lot of water a lot of water water <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a fabulous time to actually uh take the time to be able to educate yourself with these notions so um i think we will allow for question time so if anyone has any questions for us we got four uh, people watching i want four questions if you want <laughs> Please. <laughs> Consensual. <laughs> Consensual. Your consent is important. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, girl, go. Vogue it. Vogue it out. <laughs> God, I miss drag shows. <laughs> <laughs> I miss them so much. Maddie, you've never even like been to one of the drag shows that I've been performing at. I did too. I went to your uh, Wolverine wonderfulness at uh, Gen Genderbender. Oh yeah. I, I yeah. mean like the fake mustache ones. Oh yeah. No, I so, need that. Yeah. <laughs> I need that in my life. <laughs> oh, you Mercy. go, Mercy. You go, girl. Oh, I remember Mercy from Deanna's birthday party. She's delightful. Love my Mercy. Gracie and I have been friends for like 14 years. Oh my gosh. I don't even know 14 people. <laughs> <laughs> According to Facebook, I know like 200 people. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> I have memory problems, so do I really know them? <laughs> Go off, Mercy. Yes, Queen. I'm just like vibing to like the whatever song stuck in my head. Currently, it's the uh, Sims build mode music. It's been plaguing me for days. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> hey, look, Ryan's here. Hey, Ryan. Ryan's back. 
Perfect. Yeah, I could speak to that. I feel comfortable speaking to that. Um, how do you feel? Well. How do you feel about institutions and not handling indigenous learning properly? Example: I remember telling Madeline about the library incorporating Blackfoot language. Okay, but it felt more like they were doing that because they had to or to save face. <laughs> And then she enjoyed your comment about Sims. Uh, <laughs> so, so I guess in this capacity, um, yeah, it's it's interesting with uh, in in the framework of Mount Royal University because this is where it is stemming from. Um, so inside the Riddell Library, there is various Blackfoot words all over the library to indicate, um, you know the language of each of the rooms or where you were or um you know in that in that capacity so as much as that was really important to to include and to implement uh there is a big uh barrier with it because one folks didn't know how to pronounce it so with that being uh a a notion if you want to like understand and seek to understand you know it's really hard because that's already a barrier of not truly understanding and if you then say it and then you you know butcher it lack, lack of better word uh, folks can then feel bad or you know there's just a, there's like a gap of actually educating in that way as uh, it was really well intentioned and from my what I now understand of that so rather than it being like a notion of saving face Mitchell's here hey Mitchell um, so rather that being a, a notion of saving face, what they then ended up doing was seeking uh, folks within the university to uh, contact elders and uh, folks who were um, uh, iPad or app developers. And what they would then now do, I think, is something that they're working on or still is something that they are working towards or whatever the whatever the case. It's been a hot minute since I've been there. Um, but this is from what I know, of course, from when I was last there. And what they ended up doing was building an app along with elders to properly say everything um, and also with the proper meanings of all the words too. And it was in collaboration from what I understand. So um, this is mm. just an example of, you know, of being able to include indigenous notions within, you know, academic settings. Um, you know, it's and also with those words being included within the library, of course, that was through, um, you know, uh, community um, involvement, which is actually pivotal in working with indigenous peoples. So rather than it be necessarily a notion of uh, a checkbox, because that's what, you know, a lot of institutions can potentially do accidentally if they're not actually um, you know, really prioritizing their relationships with indigenous people. It could, it could actually seem like it's a checkbox. Oh, I indigenize this, therefore I don't need to do anything else for the rest of my year. You know, it, it can be something like that. But, you know, I think with the way that the world is going, things are changing, movements are happening, folks are becoming more aware of their actions and their intentionality behind their actions too. So I feel in this time, 
I would hope institutions like Mount Royal University aren't just using these things to be checked boxes. Um, I really hope that they are actually working with their Indigenous partners, like the Niskam Center, for example, um, with a lot of Indigenous notions that uh, do occur within the university. So I would hope that this is a best practice for not just all institutions, but also just with building relationships with Indigenous peoples. It's just really important to build a relationship, get to know these folks, understand um, their ideas, understand their epistemologies, understand their culture, understand their knowledge, and being able to then respect their knowledge. And I think that's key within any relationship mm -hmm. and working with Indigenous peoples. So. Does that answer your question, girl? <laughs> I like I like that you uh, you talked about you know building relationships and listening to them because you you know who did a great job of that Tanya oh yes yeah she yeah. did a great she was the person who uh, uh, taught our um, indigenous perspectives in education course and I mean this in the best way possible she almost taught us none of that because she gave us just that space and that time to talk to elders to talk to knowledge givers to read literature by indigenous people so that the indigenous community she just kind of made a vessel for the indigenous community and us to come together and learn from each other which is Absolutely. why i loved it so much oh yes that was i think one of my favorite classes i've ever took in university yeah, same Still same today because the amount of knowledge that we, we learned from the elder that was joining us, um, he taught us so much about the plants, about- Oh yes, uh, Harley, Elder Harley. Yes, yes, yes. Love that man. Yes, yes, he was And wonderful. you know what's amazing? I, I gotta grab it though, real quick, because my partner is also Métis. We actually, when we went on a nature walk together, I was sharing with him the little stories of the silverberry that Harley shared with us. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we picked some silverberries together and we made a little silverberry bracelet for him. Oh my goodness. Oh. So How I was kind of just uh, sharing what Harley shared with me about that. I love that. That's so I love good, that. Right? Yep. Awesome. That's what awesome. education should be about. That's that's the that's the experiential. That's the practice. That's the involvement, mm -hmm. right? That's how all education should be. Yeah, I actually also um, I was talking with Debbie about it because her mom is a elder as well. Because uh, my partner was interested in learning how to smudge, and I'm like, oh, I am a white settler. Is this appropriate for me to like share what I have learned? And uh, Debbie was just like, yes, this is what she taught you and she told you if anybody questions the way you're doing it this is the way i taught you to do it so, <laughs> debbie's mom's kind of she's kind of sassy like that. that i love that about her yeah. Betty anyway anybody <laughs> <laughs> else have any questions <laughs> there's always a story for everything always anything else Got three people, three eyeballs, triclops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
so like I wish I could do that. <laughs> I have to look up to do it for some reason. I can't like just do it. Interesting. Did I just do it? No, I don't. <laughs> no, you're just like wiggling your jaw around. <laughs> Nadia is here. Oh, holy goodness. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? I think we're just going to end it here then. I just wanted to thank my wonderful friend, Meg, for again joining me. And thank you so much for being able to share your knowledge, your wisdom. And I really hope that this, um, these notions were really important to you. Hopefully you can use it within your lives every single day. Because even though it was around, you know, an education article, these are still very prevalent for what is occurring uh, right now with with everything going on so i'll leave it to that and meg would you do you have any closing words um i mean i pretty much said a lot already and that was pretty much all i had to really say about the uh, stuff so i don't know um drink lots of water um <laughs> make sure you eat breakfast um no. listen to people especially marginalized people don't listen to react with or listen to respond just let them give them the mic that's it thank you <laughs> <laughs> wonderful thank you so much mate thanks maddie well, i'll see you soon. safe again you too we gotta well, do we'll coffee to when people aren't you know infectious and plaguey Agreed. Agreed. We will do that. Sweet, sweet coffee. Oh, Bye. I love it. Bye. Bye, everyone.